Hey, everybody, welcome back. And today we are in part two of our mailbag episode. We love it when people send in questions via email and DM and on Instagram, different places. And we try and collect all those and then every so often do a mailbag episode. We don't get obviously to all of the questions because we have like (laughs) hundreds. But, you know, we're going to get to a couple today and then uh, we won't forget the rest of you and you all may show up on future mailbag episodes. Yeah, I want to encourage people to keep writing in with those questions. And without any further ado, let's hit it. Let's hit it. Well, I have a uh, something I'm going to spring on you. Oh. Yeah. So. What's my birthday? We want to talk about <laughs> Let's say it's your birthday. Okay, so. I've got this friend, and for a long time, she thought she was a two. Now she's wondering if she might be a nine. She's going to break it down for you, but I'm going to actually call her right now Ah. on the show. Oh. And uh, let's see what happens. Here we go. Let's go. Her name is Megan. Yep. Hi, Anthony. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Doing well. How about you? (laughs) Good. Where are you right now? I am in Chicago at my office. I'm about to head on the blue line to the airport in a few minutes. So Okay. All right. So I'm going to hit you with something here. You asked me earlier about trying to figure out whether you're a two or a nine. Yeah. <laughs> so I talked to Ian about it today and just sort of spontaneously sprung it on Ian. And uh, you're on the show right now. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Surprise. <laughs> so, hey uh, Megan, meet Ian. Ian, meet Megan. Hey. Hi, Ian. Great uh, to meet you. I thought uh, two things that would be a win. Uh, we would get your question answered and we would hear uh, your marvelous laugh on this uh, <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. Well, some joy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, hit Ian kind of with uh, your quandary. Yeah, so I had never really heard of the counter type nine uh, until maybe a month or two ago. And I had always been so curious that the results for my Enneagram tests, every time it was like, I don't know, 92 or 95% two, and then like an 85% nine, like every time I've taken the test. And so I've really resonated with, I think, a lot of the core motivations or fears or even woundings of nines. It's like, I don't belong and just kind of having more of avoidant tendencies in some ways, but really resonated with a lot of the two in that I really care for people. I'm definitely empathetic, but didn't necessarily resonate with some of the more like needing to feel the appreciation of others and having almost like a compulsory and then in the case of like the one-to-one subtype for a two, which I resonated the most with, it, there was almost this like seductive way of needing to get needs met versus verbalizing them and finding ways to kind of make it happen and in more manipulative ways. And so right. I just have been really curious about the counter type of nine and identifying like, okay, in my history, I can see some two tendencies, but I've also heard that twos can be mistyped or people can mistype as twos when they aren't necessarily sure. For instance, in kind of the Christian world that I'm in, a lot of times women are praised as helpers more than they're praised as other, I guess you could say archetypes. So I was curious kind of your thoughts since the countertype of nine from what I've heard is also really commonly mistyped as a two as well Mm -hmm. and how to dig into whether or not 
Yeah. Wow. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> so type, yeah, well, you know, type twos and nines, it's probably the most common mistype because, Interesting. yeah, because they have a lot of similarities, external similarities. Like they're both incredibly supportive. They're people oriented, relational. That's for nines, you know, so that looks like a two. They're both very optimistic. They're, in fact, they're in what's called the optimistic triad along with sevens. And so there's a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Let's see if we can nail this down. How image conscious are you? I would say, yeah, I would say that I'm definitely aware. I'm okay, you know, running to the grocery store in my slippers and hair all messed up and that sort of thing. But I think I definitely care for my appearance and like to dress up. And as far as like who I am in other people's eyes, I don't often think about it. If something happens where I'm like, I'm curious where that was coming from, I might think about it more. Does that answer the question? Yeah. I mean, do you think someone would describe you as like when I mean image conscious, you know, like concerned about how others think about you and see you or are you someone who's just a what you see is what you get person it doesn't even occur to me how other people see me yeah i would say i've been described as like genuine what you see is what you get pretty transparent not necessarily like honest not necessarily looking to present a certain way so i think it i think i would be described as more yeah, what you see is what you get kind of thing. Okay, so let me ask you this question. I need you to be really honest because if okay, uh, you may not want to be honest, okay? But you need to be really <laughs> honest. Can you make anyone like you? I don't know if I want to. Well, what is that? that? What do you mean by that? I would rather be myself than have to find a way to get the approval of somebody. So... In some ways, I think I like I've taken Strengths Finders, and so Woo has was one of my top five. So I like and enjoy, in some ways, like being liked or finding ways to be liked. But if I'm in a group of people and the status quo is to do something that feels like it goes against my own conviction or goes against the grain, I don't think that I would mind not being liked. If it's someone I really respect or who I do feel like aligns with more of my values and they don't like me, that would bother me. But I don't think, like, I honestly don't think I can make everyone like me. And I don't know that I would want to. Okay. All right. Next question. Again, you got to be honest. All right. Okay. Are you someone who can make another person feel like you really like them when you don't? No. (laughs) Okay. So you're saying that you can't do that. I don't think so. I think I can make them feel neutral and not aware of a dislike, but I definitely, like I'm thinking of sadly some coworkers who I find really difficult and I'm not. But you cannot convince them you like them even when you don't, that you just probably couldn't do that. No, I I can still respect them and show them a human level of decency. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would be blindsided. Yeah. If they found out that I found it difficult to really. <laughs> right. Okay. And then lastly, just an obvious question. Are you good at knowing and meeting other people's needs? Or do you sometimes aren't sure what it is that other people need and feel? Yeah, that's a great question. 
And like, I know the answer of what the two would be. Mm-hmm. And so there's very much, I think, times where I can attune well and be like, okay, this person needs this in this moment. But a lot of times I find myself asking people, which I feel like is a less two quality because there are, I do doubt like, okay, is that just what I need? Is this level of empathy more about my perspective than theirs? Yeah. So I would say in certain scenarios, yes, because it's more about empathy than it is about being truly attuned to just what they need. Mm. Makes sense. Sure. All right. So if I had to guess, you sound a little bit more nine-ish than you do too. Yeah. The not being someone who's very image conscious. Twos, threes, and fours are the most image conscious numbers on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Twos often will show up as very cheerful and very likable. And how can I help? You know what I mean? And there's this kind of bubbly, very emotionally large people, right? Mm -hmm. Like feelings are everywhere, right? They're just kind of going out everywhere. Whereas nines are more laid back, not as assertive sometimes relationally as twos. So anyway, that's one thing that I would say. Twos are not really what you see is what you get people entirely. There's a lot of other stuff going on there. And remember, twos can use giving and helping in a calculated and strategic way to win other people's love Mm -hmm. and approval. Not so much with nines. Nines just don't have a lot of guile. (laughs) You know what I mean? They just, they don't. Yeah. It's one of, the, one of the lovely things about them, right? They're less complicated people than twos. They're actually less complicated than any other number. So mm-hmm. I would also say that twos are very focused on relationships. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much a lot of what they think about all day long. I haven't picked that yeah. up from you as we've spoken about that. A really honest two would say, I can make anyone believe that I like them even when I don't. And a two would say, I can make other people like me. If they're being honest. And that's just the truth about twos. And, and when they're healthy, that's those are good traits. And when they're not good, well, the second one isn't so great. But, you know, the ability to connect with people that quickly and to form a positive rapport can be a really positive thing. Anyway, so I don't, I'm just, I'm not saying you are a nine. It's just that you have said some things that, like, for example, when I said, can you make anyone like you, you said, I'm not sure I want to. Yeah. And I was like, that, <laughs> an honest two, I'm not sure would say that. Right, yeah. I think a, an honest nine might say that, but not a two. I think a two would be like, no, it's really important that other people like me. The core motivation of that two is a need to be liked. And I don't mean just liked, I mean really liked. Right. So again, twos and nines get confused a lot because they look a lot alike. Can I just give one more thing? Maybe this yeah, would help you. Right. In certain in settings, like different social settings, if let's say a group of people were together and... uh Everyone was taking a vote on where to go to a restaurant. And you said, I would really like to go to an Italian restaurant. But the group decides that they want to go to a Chinese restaurant. Would you just accommodate the group? I mean, they voted that way, right? So you're probably not going to get all huffy and puffy, but you would just accommodate, right? And uh, you say, yeah, okay, I'll go Chinese. I mean, I wanted to go, but you wouldn't forget that you wanted Italian. You, mm-hmm. you would go Chinese, but you would not forget that you wanted Italian. Mm-hmm. Or would you adapt? And what I mean by adapt is they would vote Chinese. You would m- remember that you wanted Italian for about 10 minutes. And then when you got to the restaurant, you would have forgotten that you ever wanted Italian. And you had just gone along with the group and everybody was, you know, you forgot. You're just like, well, yeah, I always wanted Chinese. Which mm-hmm. one of I think it'd depend on if the options on the Chinese were as appetizing as the Italian. 
<laughs> well, that is a uh, that is a uh, a consideration. But again, this is a sort of a little bit of a silly yeah. question. Yeah. The only difference, what I'm trying to highlight here, is that twos will accommodate, nines will adapt. Yeah, twos will go along with what the group wants, but they don't necessarily merge with it. They don't forget that they want an Italian. And actually, the next time that they take this boat, people might want to remember that they had wanted Italian the last time. <laughs> Nines, right. easy going, lucky, easy going. Okay, well, no, I'll just I can run with Chinese. Let's go. And then yeah. by the time they get there, there's no resentment or like anything like that. Yeah. I really don't think that I'd have resentment around it. I think I'd be like, oh, yeah, the orange chicken actually sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Just yeah enjoy it because it it would be and this is another i think to like quality it would be more about like the company than it would be just about like the choice itself yeah i don't know about i don't know if that's purely a two quality i think a nine would be like that too my wife's a nine and i think that would totally be her thing Uh as long as we're together it doesn't really matter i my opinion is just if your opinion about chinese is stronger then I'm willing to go with it. And because nines typically have lower energy opinions, they would be like, yeah, that means a lot to you. Let's go. Anyway, all to say, I would really look up on nines. Mm -hmm. I mean, based on what I've heard. Yeah. Thank you. Can I ask one more question? Sure. I've heard often like with the Enneagram, looking at like your behavior in your 20s, even though the motivations are like, from childhood development. So when I look at my childhood, I'm like, oh, definitely nine. When I look at my 20s, I'm like, oh, some codependent things were there. Maybe it's more two. But when it's like looking at the core type, do you really more look towards the development in childhood and the messages that were there? Or do you look for kind of this manifestation of those messages in your 20s and teen life and try to see that as more of the pattern? Yeah, I really look at both. Okay. Yeah, I look at both. But I oftentimes will say to people, when you're in your 20s, late teens and 20s, you lack so much self-awareness that your personality becomes really obvious. Also, on codependency, I'd say nines have more problems with codependency than twos. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so I wouldn't... Because yeah. that's been sort of one... I've heard you say that a couple of times where you've associated the codependency with a two, Yeah, uh, Megan. And hmm. Yeah, so it's like... Yeah, that that said, both twos and nines are can really be of all the numbers more mm-hmm. more likely to be codependent, more easily codependent. But I would say that if I had to make a guess between a two and a nine, it'd be more likely to be a nine. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah this has been fun. To... Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. So fun. Yeah, great to be on. <laughs> Happy travels. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Safe thanks. travels. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, that was fun. I'm glad she came on. Yeah, me too. That was uh, really fun, man. Fun just to reach out to someone who's listening and someone who is a friend. Okay, I think we have one more question that I want to run by you. All right. Someone posted it on social media. And I just want to let people know that we pay attention to those things. So you might post a question or respond to some kind of a post that Ian makes. But we take note, and this is one of those. The uh, person who wrote this in said, I'd love to hear Ian riff on the benefits of the Enneagram for people in recovery as to when and how the tool might be used in tandem with working a program or doing boundary and grief work. More five guests, please. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, I love to ask questions about recovery stuff. That's such a gigantic part of my life. And I think there's a lot of applications. Mm-hmm. In fact, I recently, maybe about, oh gosh, eight months ago, I did a whole Enneagram workshop for my recovery home group. And, uh, you know, we had like 40 people come. We talked about the Enneagram and recovery and working a 12-step program. So a couple of things I'd say, it is a great tool. Let's say for step four. I was thinking about this when the question came up. In step four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's step four. Right. It's a way of getting ready for step five, which is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Okay. So this is the inventory steps, right? Right. So when you're dealing with step four and you know your type, it kind of gives you a head start. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I knew when I did a moral searching and fearless moral inventory – I knew envy was going to be an issue as a right. four, and I, yeah. I had a head start. That's huge. So I knew a lot of the shadow side of the four that gave me a good head start mm-hmm. on that on step four, doing yeah. that work. Right. I also know uh, in my program of recovery as a four what I look like when I'm going toward disintegration mm-hmm. uh, into my stress point. Yeah. Now, why is that important? Well, because I want to monitor what's going on inside of my internal world so that I can maintain what I would call emotional sobriety. Mm. Like, I'm not really worried right at this point in my life about taking another drink or a drug, Uh but I am interested in emotional sobriety, okay, which is emotional balance and health. So when I'm heading toward that stress, it's fantastic. Yeah, because that's a precursor to using again, right? It could be. Yeah. It could be. Likely, yeah. Right. So another thing would be, I think it's wonderful when you're dealing with sponsees. Like, so for people who don't know, in- 12-step groups, we have sponsors. These are people who have been through the 12 steps. And then when a new person comes in, they become their sponsor and help them go through the 12 steps and kind of be there as a listener and and someone who cares for them. Sure. It is very helpful when I know a sponsee's type. Like, I just know stuff about them so quickly that I couldn't get at if I didn't know the Enneagram. Right. So things like basic fear and desire. Like, I know mine. I I know that of other people. I can work with that as Mm -hmm. someone in recovery. Mm -hmm. We do fear inventories. Like, I was actually ran across one of my journals this morning where it's like, we just write a list of our basic fears. Mm -hmm. And I got a whole page of fears. And then, obviously, my virtue is equanimity. If you're a nine, it's right action. If you're a one, it's serenity. So, I now also know, and Mm -hmm. that's not the only virtue I'm working on, but I also know as a person in recovery, I need to work toward more emotional balance. So that's, I think, there's so many ways that we yeah. can tap into it. That's good. For the purposes of enhancing a re- program of recovery. And by the way, and this is something probably next year we're going to talk more and more about is, guess what? Everybody's an addict mm-hmm. and everybody should be in recovery. And I, I wish people that don't even identify as chemical addict would use a 12-step program. So we'll, we'll talk more about that's that in good. the future. All right. Well, thanks, man. Man, thank you. I loved answering these questions. Yeah, this is fun. And everybody, we are crazy about our typology family. And we just think the world of you. And keep listening. Keep coming back. And remember, may you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. And may you have rest. Until next time. <laughs>